Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We are back again, getting ready for week two of the NFL season. The Helipod with MJD coming to you from the brand new Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas. MJD, how you doing, bro? I'm not at the Win. No, you're not. That's how good I'm doing. I mean, I know you're doing much better than I am right now. I'm well, just at the crib chilling. I got a facial just a second ago, a little massage. You know, Wellness Wednesdays is what we like to call it around here. So you get a facial, you get a massage. What are you doing the rest of the day besides the helipod? Uh, I coach coach little kids football, get my mentals, as Marjan said. Get my mentals straight, coaching little kids. All right. Then I go take a nap for like eight hours. You're too young to take a nap, bro. Like no naps for you. You're not even 40 yet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I don't, I don't take a nap. Right. I want to take naps sometimes. I'm not really a napper. I've never really gotten into naps. I'm going to have to work on that. I think as I get older, I'll be... I'll be a much better napper. Dude, um, I did not get a chance to see you at the Rams game. I did get to go to the Rams game after a, a seven-hour direct TV show. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal, SoFi Stadium. That's my first time in there with fans, seeing the crowd. Um, had unbelievable uh, field-level suite seats, thanks to my buddy Brett Rossman. It was a crew of like eight or nine guys. Totally, totally awesome uh, environment and we were in the end zone MJD so unlike some of those field level suites where you're behind the bench and can't see anything we had a great uh, almost all 22 view yeah listen like it's funny because I was going to come try to find you when I was down there but I was running late a little got a little hectic there for me but um, it's funny to see everyone talk about the stadium I've been there for a year already so right. I know I've walked all around it I've been in the owner's suite I've done it all you know, I've taken my own little tour on my own uh, before a couple of games last year, but it's a phenomenal facility. I think people really enjoy it. Uh, there's not a bad seat in the house unless you are behind those things. They got big screen TVs and that that um, you know that solar thing that they call like at the top, where the, or you can see the videos. The jumbotron you know that goes all that the way around. Man? What's that? Yeah, you, that when they play red zone up there, or they play the games. You get every game up there. It's crazy. You can see everything. It's they do it. They, you know, Stan, Stan Kroenke did a great job of designing it and building it and paying for it, for sure. Well, the crazy thing is we're obviously here in Vegas, and the Raiders had that unbelievable game on Monday night against the Ravens that we'll get into in just a minute. And I have not been inside Allegiant Stadium yet, and it, it, it looked gorgeous. 
but SoFi costs twice as much to build as Allegiant. I mean, process that for a minute. Twice as well, much money. I mean, but a lot of that is, Dan, you got to remember, that's California versus Nevada. Like Some of it is. No, most of it is. Throw an extra billion in, right? And then it's still a billion more. Like, that's pretty crazy when you process it. I've been I've been to Allegiant Stadium. I walked around once a Raider, always a Raider. Uh, actually, one of my my young you were a Raider for five homies. Seconds. Come on, hold on. It doesn't matter. I was there. Right, I was a fair. fan growing up. I played there. I put on the black and silver. It doesn't matter. My name. I have a brick out there. But um, my homie, one of my homeboys that I grew up with, is the head of suites. Another one works in the front office, and um, we were talking about it. The th- the difference with SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium is Allegiant Stadium is a football stadium. That's it. That's all. They don't have, like, it's not an event place. You're not going to have concerts there. None of that. Because Vegas has all those other things around there, right? SoFi Stadium is an event stadium. Yes, they play football there, but you're going to have basketball. You're going to have the Olympics there. The World Cup will be there. I mean, there's going to be so many different things played from uh, concerts and all type of other stuff played there that it, yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more. And then plus you got to add the California tax on top of it. Well, that's true. California taxes are tough. No, that's a good point. It, it is. It was just phenomenal. I love essentially it's an open air stadium, which is kind of crazy. And the translucent roof um, just gives it a different feel too. But fun night there at the Rams game. Uh, get to that game in just a minute. I, w- I want to start with the Packers and saints. I just have it in my notes. Jameis, and A-Rod. And, and when you look at the lines, <laughs> I mean, 133 yards for, for Aaron Rodgers passing in the game. A couple of picks. Jameis, five touchdowns, no interceptions, zero fumbles, zero sacks, and 59 snaps. The result of a 38-3 Saints win in Jacksonville after the Saints were displaced and had to cancel their last preseason game and they're practicing in Dallas. Was this the biggest surprise of the weekend for you? Um, I mean, I mean, when you looked at it overall, like, wow, like the Saints really got after him. But it it wasn't as big of a surprise to me because I felt like Aaron Rodgers was going to struggle just a little bit, right? Two reasons. One, he doesn't play well in Florida, and historically he doesn't play well in Florida, never has. I actually played him in 2008, his first year starting, and we beat him, and we weren't a really good team at that point. We had a lot of injuries there. And then the second thing is this. We forget the Saints are one of the most talented teams in the National Football League. They have first-rounders on every level of their defense. They have first-rounders across the board on their offensive line. And, yes, they didn't have, like, a big-name receiver out there, but Sean Payton is a guy that can scheme guys to get open, and, and they did a really good job. And the biggest question mark to me was less about Aaron Rodgers. It was more about can Jameis contain himself from turning the ball over. And even though he, there were some opportunities for him to do it, he didn't do it. And, you know, that that zero INT, that zero sack, that zero fumble, that's huge to me. That was the biggest surprise to me for Jameis Winston. And now you kind of can think like the Saints are maybe a team that has the ability to to really, you know, shock some people this year because unlike Drew Brees, what he did the last couple of years, they could push the ball down the field a little bit. That's a good point. And I think that they were limited offensively as crazy as this sounds when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback because of Drew the last year or two. That's certainly not going to be the case with Jameis. Funny story that Peter King had in his column on Monday, they had what's called the dot meeting, the Saints did. That's when Sean Payton brings all his offensive coaches together and Jameis, and they go over the game plan, they go over the plays, play-by-play. And normally with Drew, he would say, all right, 
I like these 12. These two, not my favorite. Maybe let's take those out. And with Jameis, it was like, I like it. I like it. I like them all. Let's just run them all. And Sean Payton said, why do we have this meeting if you're going to like them all? But that was the difference is because Jameis right. has the ability to run all those plays. And, by the way, he used his legs a couple of times, MJD, to pick up the first downs. Yeah, that's, but see, people fail to realize. First of all, let's, let's disregard the, the play, okay, the, the play in Tampa. Let's disregard it. Jameis was the number one consensus, number one overall pick when he came out. He was the best player in college football when he came out. So a lot of that sometimes is coaching, right? I was coached by Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter's a guy that likes to take chances. He wants you to throw the ball down the field consistently. He wants you to try to fit it into tight windows. You're going to get into turnovers and interceptions with that. Bruce Arians, almost every quarterback that he's coached has turned the ball over a ton except for Tom Brady, right? Uh, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger when he was coaching him, Carson Palmer, Jameis Winston, they all threw the ball. They all turned the ball over. Now you get him into a situation where it's a little bit more controlled. It's more precise. We're not guessing. We're not giving guys chances. We're throwing the ball. If you see it, you like it. If you don't, you check the ball down. We have a guy in Alvin Kamara that can get you going. And it kind of you're starting to see Jameis transform into what we thought he would have been as being that number one pick. I'm really excited for for what they have to do, and it's a great matchup. And it was a great decision for Jameis to go sit behind Drew Brees instead of going to Pittsburgh, right? Remember, it was it was between the Saints and Pittsburgh to figure out where he was going to go, and he'd rather go to New Orleans and sit behind Drew Brees, get his opportunity to compete, and not look at what's going on. I think there's a lot of foresight involved in that decision. He knew Drew Brees wasn't going to be around forever, but the same could be said for Big Ben. And you talk about the coaching; it's interesting. He he literally told Sean. It's, it's like a dream come true to be able to play for an offensive mind like you. And he said, stay in my ear. Talk to me as long as you can in the helmet communication system because I want to I hear and see what you're seeing. It's funny you say that, too. I remember going and talking to Dirk Cutter, who was my former OC, and he was like, Maurice, you can coach him hard. Like You can scream at him. You can yell at him because his dad coached him that way at Alabama. And then when he went to Florida State, uh, I forget the coach's name that that's now at Texas A&M, but Jimbo. Um, Jimbo Fisher coached him hard too, right? Jimbo Fisher was MFing him and all this stuff, and Jameis was able to in- internalize the message and get going. And so that's the other thing about him too that he doesn't get enough credit for. Yeah, he has some funny quotes here and there, and he does he eats W's and does funny stuff. But from a coach's perspective, that's a coach's dream. I can cut, I can literally cuss you out, and you can understand why I'm frustrated about it. We can go from there. Jameis, I'm telling you, it, the Saints, they're, 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 they were under the radar. Now they're kind of back on the spotlight. They're, they're going to be a tough team to deal with because of the way that defense plays. And wait till they get Mike Thomas back in a couple weeks. Right. It, it's going to be a problem. You know what I like about the way we started this podcast, MJD? That we didn't start talking about Aaron Rodgers like everybody has been. We started talking about Jameis because in my mind, in the whole scheme of things, that's probably going to be a bigger story because I feel like Rodgers and the Packers offense are going to bounce back. It reminds me a little bit. Do you just remember remember when the Bucks lost week nine to New Orleans? 38 to 3, by the way. Same uh-huh. score. They bounce back. They win the Super Bowl. They're fine. I'm not saying Green Bay is going to win the Super Bowl, but I, I'm not overly concerned with that week one performance from them. So I, I mean, I always tell people this. If, if if there's a quarter, there's only a couple quarterbacks you can say, look, you had a bad game, whatever. Aaron Rodgers is one of those quarterbacks, right? You Now, if he has a bad two or three games or a month stretch, then, yeah, we got a problem. But one game, like, 
isn't he owed the the I guess the respect and the ability to say, you know what, it happens to the best of them with Aaron Rodgers, or is he a guy that we have to be on like Carson Wentz, right? Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. He had a bad game. It happens. He had a bad game last year against Tampa, right? It happens. Those games, some teams just have your number sometimes. To me, I just think they have to get back to it. They got to find a way to run the ball. And to be honest, the Packers got to get healthy. You're missing your left tackle. You got some other guys banged up. To me, it's 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 more about getting their team healthy and back to full strength, and then they'll be able to go. Yeah, starting two rookies on the offensive line. David Bakhtiari going to be out for six week six weeks. Yeah, first red zone interception for Aaron Rodgers since 2019. Certainly a lot of stuff to clean up there. Green Bay at uh, or taking on Detroit. They're hosting the Lions. And then New Orleans at bounce Carolina. Back game. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Uh, speaking of bounce back, how about a comeback, dude? I was watching this Monday night game with my wife and son. And my wife, who's a fan, but not a huge football fan, was going bananas. Absolutely nuts. I, the Raiders essentially had to w- win this thing twice. Gruden had a great quote. He said, I felt like I died and woke up and died again. I, I was like a cat. I had multiple lives tonight. Um, Carr, obviously under duress for much of the game, targeted Waller 12 times in the first half. Playbook opens up. Perfect play goal to win the game in overtime to Zay Jones. A, did you get a chance to watch this thing, and, and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was working, and I watched it. Um, to me, okay, so I picked the Ravens. Like We had to pick them for the network a while ago, maybe like two weeks ago, before the, just to kind of get ahead of things. And uh, I picked the Ravens, and I picked the Ravens because, you know, they were healthy, right? It was before Gus Edwards went down. This was right after J.K. Dobbins. They still have Marcus Peters. Right. So I was like, oh, you know, the Ravens' defense will be able to kind of handle a little bit. And and it looked like it was going to be a defensive game uh, early in it. But there's still no answer for Darren Waller. And I think, to me, that's going to be the toughest thing for teams to cover is Darren Waller. Now, uh, Derek Carr played lights out like he has been playing, and it's great that he's getting the recognition on Monday night and and all those things, but he started off slow, and that defense is what kept him in, and that's why you went and got Gus Bradley, right? That's when they went and got Gus to kind of have this defense to give him a chance. Um, but it was a back-and-forth game, and, and to be honest, I was shocked, shocked by how much the Baltimore Ravens threw the ball. I mean – they were throwing the ball all over the yard. Lamar was in the pocket. Like it was like they're trying to showcase his abilities. And yes, they were able to score and score points, but that's not who the Baltimore Ravens are. You have a lead. Turn around and hand the ball off and run the ball and get out of this game. Well, they lost the top two and running so backs. Maybe they felt like they could do the it. Baltimore Ravens more than it was a comeback by by the 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 Vegas Raiders. But you, I mean, you mentioned the injuries, right? Like you're you're down your top two guys. Do you think it was? They were throwing the ball like that because they didn't have confidence in the run game? I mean, well, this is the thing. They're both their right tackle and left tackle struggled. And they were time. getting whooped consistently, right? So how do you fix that? You get those guys to run block and go forward. Um, and that's why I say it was just mismanaged, man. Like, yeah, Lamar may have the ability to throw, but right now is just not the time. You don't have some of your top wide receivers. You don't have your top runners. Your O-line's getting beat left and right. Like, you got to find a way to get out of this game quickly. You had a 10-point lead at one point. Like, that's when you go right into 9-on-7 or what we call inside run drill, and you just run the ball. We run on first and second down, throw it on third, get it first, let's go. And we start eating the clock up, and we try to get out of there. But when you keep trying to throw the ball and do all these things and all this crazy stuff, 
especially when you're down runners and you're down your offensive lines not playing well and you're down receivers those things are going to come back to haunt you and end up doing that and credit to the raiders for taking advantage of that right like you took advantage of it now the raiders they won monday night but they lost uh denzel good for the year i just i just read and they lost um the d tackle from tampa played for the cowboys but now is in vegas oh yeah gerald mccoy Gerald McCoy, yeah. he's out for the year. Yeah. And Yannick Ngakwe has a hamstring issue right now. And now you got to travel all the way to Pittsburgh to go play. Right? Yeah, that's, so, that's going to be a tough one. I'm betting on Pittsburgh there. We'll get to that in our picks in, uh, in just a moment. But that's a really good but, point. But, I, I, go ahead, MJD. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, Baltimore had a chance to win this game early in the third quarter. And it was a sequence where they could have run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But they threw the ball for like six or seven straight plays. No, no time. No time went off the clock. Guys were dropping passes, missed passes, missed throws, and that's what allowed the Vegas Raiders to come back in it. And and then let's talk about the last sequence, right? Where Derek Carr throws the ball, a great back shoulder fade to Brian Brian Edwards, who catches it, and he's down at the one. Um, and in that situation, you know, you try to quarterback sneak, doesn't work. You jump off sides. You have Willie Sneed wide open, and this is why I always try to tell guys this. And it happens. Derek Carr is feeling pressure, so he tries to fire it in there. As a quarterback, you have to be able to kind of remove yourself from all the energy, all the craziness that goes in the game, and be able to put a ball where it needs to be. That was a bad throw, and that's why he ended up getting picked off. And they just got a second opportunity because of that defense, right? And then he made them pay. But a lot of times in the National Football League, you do not get an opportunity. You don't get a second chance, right? When you give it away, you don't ever get a second chance. But he made the most of that second chance. Uh, I, I heard him talk about how they had practices. They saw this look. They're going to check to this play. Those are the kind of things that I remember about Derek Carr when I played with him. He has the mind. He can. He remembers stuff. Like people talk about Tom Brady pulling stuff from 20 years ago, and we're going to check to this. We're going to do that. A lot of quarterbacks have that. But Derek, for him to go off on something that happened early in the week and then be able to bring it back on the last play of the game and check to it, that's huge. Yeah, that was that was remarkable when they were coming with that all-out blitz. Uh, Baltimore taking on Kansas City, and you mentioned the uh, the Raiders in Pittsburgh on Monday. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few. I, I know. I want to hit on the. Uh, I want to hit on your Rams, man. Stafford was was all that in a bag of chips, man. Everything that we thought he would be in that offense, I feel like he was, and I think he's going to get even better. He threw for three hundred twenty-one yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Robert Woods didn't put up huge numbers, but he had that awesome catch in the back of the end zone. On Sunday night, it was Cooper Cup's turn to put up the big numbers, 108 yards. Daryl Henderson, 16 carries, 70 yards, a touch. Sony Michelle, just one carry. Help me understand for all our fantasy football listeners out there how, how this is going to go this season. Are we going to see Sony Michelle get, getting 15, 20 carries at times, or is it just going to be Hend- how, how is it going to work? Yeah, I think Sonny Michelle, he just wasn't ready, right? Like, to be honest with you, he didn't, he doesn't, he's only been there, what, 10 days. So how can you know this whole playbook if you've only been there 10 days? So they had to give him a small package of plays from the play pass so he, so he could understand what's going on. Um, and I think as the season goes on, they'll kind of even it out a little bit. But early on, it's going to be Daryl Henderson a ton. Then Sonny Michelle will kind of pick up as they continue, as he continues to understand the, the 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 playbook, right? The hardest part about that is when you go to a team midseason, teams are game planning now. We're not installing the whole playbook. 
right? We're installing specific plays that we may use week one, week seven, week 10, week 14, and never use them again. And so that's where it gets a little tricky. They got to make sure that they that he understands the big picture of everything. But when you talk, when you have Matthew Stafford back there, you don't have to run the ball like that. I mean, he checked him in and out of really good plays, uh, some bad plays into good plays, some good plays into great plays. When you have a busted coverage where Cooper Cup is running down the middle of the field by itself, he saw that, bought a little bit more time and threw it, right? There's a lot of times that was missed in the past. So uh, to me, you're seeing what we all thought was going to happen. And I said this on the broadcast, like there was a 2% chance that this wasn't going to work, right? There was a 2% chance that uh, maybe just not a good fit. But that 98%, we were all like, oh, this could get crazy. This is going to be and – and boom, on Sunday night, it was bananas. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see what they do against the Colts. Um, this is going to be another tough matchup, but the Colts has played a very similar offense in the Seahawks, and the Seahawks got after them pretty good. And then guess who they play week three, right? Who's that? You got Tampa coming to town. And so it's going to be another tough matchup, but you have the quarterback that you want that can make these plays – I think the Rams are built and ready for success. Tampa's coming to town week three? Yeah. Is that a primetime game? No. Oh, gosh, that should be. That's going to be tasty. Um, Well, now, this is good and bad, depending on how you want to look at it. The NFC West is absolutely stacked. Um, I mean, you literally could see four playoff teams coming from from the West. Uh, The Cardinals. Uh, Listen. Hold on. Okay. Let me stop you real quick. What, am I am I putting the cart ahead of the horse here? I I think I think we have to see the Cardinals normally start fast. Well, they, they did last tank, year. They kind of tinkered down a little bit, so we got to wait to see that. This is you expected the Cardinals to do what they did, right? No, 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 I mean, no, 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 no. Hold hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I did not expect five touchdown passes from Kyler Murray and five sacks from Chandler Jones. And eight well, first half rushing yards from Derrick Henry. I was going to handle his business. I thought Taylor Lewan was going to try to handle his business. Yeah, I did, I did too. It was not what, a good day for Taylor Lewan. What happened? What happened? He yeah, was you a, call the game for the Titans. Listen, dude, he was an he was a turnstile, and he said as much afterwards. He took to Twitter and said, "Chandler, thank you. You abused me. I'm going to get better." And he just owned it. Like it was just he, it was not his day. Remember, he's coming back from a torn ACL. He had limited participation. In games, I think he played one game in the preseason. He played a series or two in that final uh, preseason game. He practiced a little bit in those joint practices um, against the Bucks, but he did participate about halfway through camp. He was kind of a full go all the way through. But here's the difference, and here's where I think it's interesting. Your Rams didn't play the starters in a single preseason game. The Titans didn't play all of their starters together in a single preseason game. They played a few guys on defense, but not very many on offense, right? A.J. Brown never played. Derrick Henry never played. Ryan Tannehill never played. So they're still trying to get on the same page. There's a new quarterback in L.A. in Matthew Stafford. They, they didn't get a chance to get on the same page in a game. So some teams seem to acclimate a little bit quicker. I, I don't think that's the Titans team that you're going to see the rest of the season. But I do think this. I do think the Cardinals are different, and there's more staying power for them this year. Kyler Murray, if you remember, was an MVP candidate for the first six, seven games of last year. He was spectacular. Then he banged up his shoulder, and he just wasn't, he just wasn't quite the same. He wasn't running as much. He wasn't throwing as well. But this Cardinals defense is what makes them better. Jordan Hicks, an inside linebacker. 
was really good. Byron Murphy, corner, was great. And Isaiah Simmons, the second-year linebacker, was awesome. He led him in tackles. He had an interception. He stuffed Derrick Henry twice. Remember, he was a top-10 pick last year. And I thought a pretty no big question. disappointment as a rookie. And, and this is the Isaiah Simmons that they thought they drafted this year. I, I think he's going to be a difference maker for them defensively. So, so this is the thing about the, the Cardinals that I that, – and, and, and I, I do agree. If, if Arizona picks it up and the Niners can stay healthy, which is, is a little iffy right now because Raheem, Raheem Mostert is out right for the year. Um, so now they're relying on rookies to come out here and, and, and run the ball for them. Um, I mean, there may be a chance. I, I think that they, they start to eat at each other, though. I think they start to beat each other up. You start to lose in the division, and those things happen. So it's going to be tough to have four four things. But I'm still waiting to see the Cardinals running game. Right. Right? You could throw for five touchdowns. You could do all those things, Dan. And, and this is not me hating. I'm just – this is strictly football. When it comes to November and December, what do you have to be able to do? You got to run the football, man. You got to run exactly, and the Cardinals just—they don't have it. They just can't run the football. They throw the ball. Their their number one runner is Kyler Murray, which he can't do that in late in the year, right? No matter what's going on, he can't be your leading rusher if you expect to win. And Chase Edmonds and and uh, James Conner, like they're good players, but if you don't have lanes for those guys to run through, it becomes an issue. And so I think early on, like when I say early on, I mean early in the season. I expect the Cardinals to be hot high flying doing all those that's what they always do that's what they've done since cliff kingsbury's been there even even that first year he was there he they did that right right when they went and got Kenyon drake late in that first year they started running the ball they beat seattle in seattle they started making some noise because they were running the rock right now they, they, they still don't they don't have that that runner that you're looking for so for me i i think yes all four teams are the nfc west is a tough division don't do not get me wrong but if you're talking about playoffs it's going to be the teams that can run the ball, right? And that includes the Rams have to be able to run the ball a little bit more effective, a little bit more efficient, and earlier in games. You can't wait till you know the game's over. You get into four minute mode and start running the ball a little bit more. You got to be balanced. And so um, I think you got to try to get to that 50-50 mark. If they can ever be 50-50, I'm telling you, the Rams would be tough. But right now, Seattle's run the ball well. Obviously, the Niners are going to run the ball well. Those are the three teams that I see coming out of the NFC West, unless the Cardinals can pick it up. But again, week one, they were, they were lights out. I mean, like you said, five sacks, five touchdowns, all those things. That That's awesome, but it's just September right now. So Arizona has Minnesota at home this week, and then they're at Jacksonville, and then they come to L.A. to play the Rams. So Arizona should be 3-0 and coming to Los Angeles. That seemingly is going to be a huge matchup. Tennessee – or has a huge matchup week two. They're at Seattle on Sunday. And that's, I mean, that's, I don't want to say impossible. Nothing's impossible. But in terms of a road game, that is as tough as it gets, other than maybe Arrowhead. Those are the two loudest stadiums in the NFL. Well, well I'll say this too. Let's remember too, the Titans have a new offensive coordinator. Todd that's Downing. calling plays. Did he, was yeah, he? And in, I remember Todd Downing was he with his you? time at the Raiders because, huh? Was he with you? Was he the quarterback coach when you were there? No, no, no. He came the year I re- retired, but he um, he was my son's flag football coach. Downing was? <laughs> my youngest son's flag. Yeah, he was my youngest son's flag football coach. How'd that but go? He has to get in the rhythm, and he has to figure out what this Titans team is. Because when you have all these weapons on the outside, you want to throw the ball. You can't do that when you're Tennessee. You have to run with Derrick Henry first. 
That is the problem. You got to run with Derrick Henry and then utilize a play-action pass off of it. When the Titans are really good, Danny, you know this, I don't care about Ryan Tannehill. I don't care about Julio Jones or A.J. Brown. They're great when they can put the ball, they can get the ball to Derrick Henry 30, 40 times a game. That's well, why they didn't run them all preseason. That's why they didn't practice with them. And, and that game plan for them got a little out of whack once they got behind and they couldn't establish the run. To your point, everything is predicated on running the ball, the play-action pass. And talking to Downing in the preseason was interesting because I said, how, how much is this offense going to change? Because every offensive coordinator wants to sprinkle in you know, their own ingredients and their own flavor and, and kind of make their own recipe. Well, the offense that Tennessee runs... Which, bless you, my friend. Um, Thank you. Sorry about that. Was brought there by Matt LaFleur, right? Matt LaFleur, of course, from the Shanahan, Sean McVay tree. And then Arthur Smith took over as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee when LaFleur went to Green Bay, basically running the same offense, put a little of his own twist and flavor on there. And Downing is running that same offense as well. I said, are, are you going to throw the ball more? Are you going to do things, any, you know, anything differently? What's going to be a dramatic change? There's no dramatic change. We have Derrick Henry. He said, Mike Vrabel is not going to allow us to make dramatic changes. They know inside that building what they need to do. And success is predicated on Derrick Henry being able to run the ball. And they just have to block up front, man. They have to make some holes. They, you know, they still have some issues at right tackle. Taylor Lewan has to get things cleaned up in a hurry. And you don't have a lot of time when you're going to Seattle on Sunday. MJD, I want to turn the focus to some, uh, some rookies um, and some second-year guys. Because... When we talk about quarterbacks, right, the three guys started, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, who are all rookies, right? Up and down, you know, we saw some, saw some, some nice things. Are we sleeping, though, on the second-year quarterbacks? I feel like not as much attention is being paid to Joe Burrow and Tua and Herbert and Jalen Hurts. That's not a bad crop there. No, no I, I, well, I think Herbert played really well, played lights out against the Washington football team, um, but – you know, that was, they were last year's, you know, this, they were last year's new Corvette or new Lambo. Like, so we're not going to really pay attention to them until they win that, win it big after your rookie year. If hold you on, MJD, hold on one second. Winning, hold on one second. There's just, there's so many people walking by and they're all waving and smiling here at the win. I just, I had to wave back. There you go. Give them a wave. There you go, buddy. Good job. They're waving to you. Okay. Sorry. Didn't um, mean to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so many people, you got to remember this, like, when you're the new guy in town, everyone's going to show you love and all this and that, and 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 that and then that's good. But like after year one, if you're not putting up numbers and consistently going to the playoffs, that love goes out the window, right? So those second year guys, Joe Burrow gets hurt, right? Herbert didn't go to the playoffs. So won what five, four or five games. Um, Jalen Hurts played well last year, but you know all we remember is he wasn't even the starting quarterback until like right before week one. Um, and, and so with those situations, when you talk about those young guys, like, yeah, they're not going to get the love until they start going to the playoffs. These rookies, because it's their first year, we're trying to we were like, oh, my God, every all this good stuff is going on. Um, they're going to get more love. But I think the second year guys are lights, light years ahead of what we thought they would be. Herbert looked phenomenal. Joe Burrow leads in the overtime victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Right. Let's th- tell me the last time the Cincinnati Bengals were one and oh, um, after week one? That's a great question. Let me, let me look that up. Exactly. Keep talking while I look that up. 
But that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like that's 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 what you're getting. And then these young guys, I thought, uh, or Tua played well. I thought Tua played well. He still has some restrictions. He still needs to be a little bit better. Um, he, that horrible interception he had. You can't make those mistakes. Uh, I think Mac Jones did what we thought Mac Jones would do. They're going to run the ball, play action pass. He didn't really make too many mistakes. But, and that's what you expect um, you to see from Mac the whole season, right? Like, they're not going to put – I feel like they're not yeah. going to put too much on his plate. They're going to treat him like they treated Tom Brady when, when he got in the lineup that's as a young quarterback. You have to do that. You have to do that until you can put weapons around him. Um, from there, the other quarterbacks, I mean, Justin Fields got in, played a little bit. I think the Bears are doing it wrong. Um, Sam – not Sam Darnold, but uh, what's his name? And Je- uh, Wilson – Oh, Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, he looked like he did at BYU, right? He's going to make some good throws, but he's going to be all over, all over the place. He's a right? little – he's very he frenetic, right? Yeah, like he's he's more of like an off-platform kind of creator. The question, I guess, with them, since that football team's just not going to be very good, is is he even going to be able to operate out of the pocket or is he going to be forced to create on his own? Right. I mean, that's what he was at BYU, so that's what you saw there. And then Trevor Lawrence – I thought this was a game the Jags had a, the chance to win, but they just don't have a lot around him. And so he can't continue to – he can't make throws like he made where he was throwing across his body. And you can't do that in the National Football League, right? You got to get where you got to get to and make quick decisions and those type of things. But a lot of these guys – you have to remember this too. A lot of these guys are coming from programs where they're the most talented team on the field at all times, right? right? So guys are running what we call wide open, butt naked, Right. And the NFL is not like that. Tighter windows. You got to be able to throw with anticipation and timing. Throw guys let open. It out before the, let the ball out before the, 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 the guy gets – let the ball go before the guy gets out of his route. So what I'm seeing right now is you're going to start to see these, these quarterbacks who are coming from these big programs struggle early on. And if they have the mental toughness to be able to get through those struggles, they'll be good. But right now it's just you're going to see a lot of struggling from these rookies. Let me ask you this real quick. I, I didn't uh... – I didn't even have this as a topic, but since we were talking about Jacksonville, what do you think about Urban Meyer? What do you, what are you hearing? I know you're super dialed in there. Uh, obviously, there was interest uh, that Urban had when he was doing the Fox show, the college football show, Big Noon Sunday, out in L.A. You know, he works with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush, or he worked with them on that show. I know they pushed him to be a candidate for the USC job, but here he is. He's getting paid a ton of money. He's in Jacksonville. You have all these reports coming out that, you know, he's rubbed some of the coaches on the staff the wrong way. He's getting upset because they don't win preseason games. What if Trevor Lawrence has a Peyton Manning type year and throws 25 interceptions and they win four games? Could you see him leaving for that USC job at the end of the year? I mean, I don't know. I, I I would hope not, but you can't. You can't. It's coaches, right? Coaches come and go all the time. Um, you would hope that he, you know, I, I don't. I'll say this: I don't think he will because he's he has the Jaguars doing so much right now. They're building a hundred million dollar facility right there at the stadium. They're doing all these different things, right, to kind of change the culture and what's going on and. And all those things. And if he leaves, I mean, he's, he's, it's going to be like the trust factor there is going to have you have an issue there. But um, he, he came out and said it, which I don't expect him to say anything else that I'm here trying to build a program here, uh, build a winning culture and a program here in Jacksonville. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I just don't know if, if SC or 
for that matter, college football is going to be able to compensate them as much as the Jaguars have too. Like you're going to leave the $12 million a year you're getting from Jacksonville and go to SC for what? Or I don't know. Can SC give you 12 a year? I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess have they paid a coach like that? I guess if they wanted to, they could. I, I think Saban and Jimbo are the, <clears throat> excuse me, the two high-paid coaches in, in college. I think they make around 10. Um, I, right. I don't know if that is that. I don't know if money's going to be the issue, right? It's going to be lifestyle. And, and Urban seems to get antsy wherever he is. And I just wonder if, if he loses more than he anticipated if he gets antsier quicker in Jacksonville. Listen, you know, this is the thing, and this is the funny thing about the Jags, right? And this is just when you, two things, I, and I've always told people this, because being there, I was part of so much turnover, it's crazy, right? Like, every year was a, we're, we want to go this way, and now we want to go that way, now we want to go this way, now we want to go that way. Like, everyone had a different direction they wanted to go. The problem is no one wanted to tow together, right? No one was willing to say, all right, well, this guy's direction, I think I like that one. Let's kind of build on that and keep going. It's always been tear down, tear down, tear down, rebuild. And so for Urban, you've already tore down, and now it's time for you to rebuild. If you're a real program builder, right? Like, let's remember, Urban went from Bowling Green to Utah, Utah to Florida, Florida, Ohio State, all right? right? When you get to Florida and Ohio State, you don't have to really rebuild much. Like, you get those guys in. You're literally going to have to rebuild now like you were at Bowling Green and like you did at uh, Utah. Like, you're going to have to put that type of work and go find guys. You got to draft them, right? You got to put guys in position to be successful. You have to coach your coaches. You all have to be together. And, yes, I mean, he might have rubbed people the wrong way for not wanting to win and and or wanting to win in the preseason, but – when you're building a winning culture, you got to win all the time, right? right? No one's complaining about the Baltimore Ravens who are undefeated in the preseason. For the, they won, won 20 games in a row in the Pretty preseason. Pretty close. Yeah. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. So if you're trying to build that culture of winning, like the Baltimore Ravens have built, you got to win consistently. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are doing a live ad read, MJD. Are you ready for this before we do our picks? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Let me tell you about Vaco. V-A-C-O. They invest in your career, so you are here for the duration of theirs. It's a premier talent solutions firm that provides boutique-level service with global reach in areas of consulting, consultative project resources, executive search, permanent placement, and more. Areas of expertise? Well, they include C-suite searches, accounting, finance, tech, healthcare, IT, operations, and international managed services. Founded in 2002 by my good buddy Brian Waller, fellow VFLer, he's, uh, and his partners, Vaco has grown to 1,000 employees, 5,000 consultants, and $750 million in revenue. Check them out, Vaco.com, that's V-A-C-O.com, and get connected to your dream job today or help your business grow with Vaco. Also want to tell you about Greens Plus, 
a leader in nutrition since 1989, known for creating the first green blended superfood powder and the first company to infuse that powder into a bar. Greens plus powders and bars taste great. I eat them all the time. And they're the most effective way to increase immunity, detox your body, boost energy, and get that nutritional insurance that your body deserves. It's organic and gluten-free. You can get it at Whole Foods, order on Amazon, or greensplus.com. Get 20% off today with the promo code HELI. That's 20% off today with the promo code HELI. That was live. That was a live, live read, MJD. We don't mess around on the helipod if that you're advertising. Real. That was real. Maybe one little no, stumble when I was talking about my buddy Brian Waller, fraternity brother, built this thing into an absolute powerhouse. Proud of him. Uh, all right, you ready to do some picks, bro? I'm ready. All right. Um, do you know what we what we finished last week? Because we picked every game, you and I. We started. We went back and forth yes. on text. You insisted on picking every game. Do you know what you went? No, I don't. Okay, I'm going to tell you. I didn't. I purposely did not tell you before the show. You went eight and eight. Oh, that's solid. We're, no, it's not solid. We're picking straight up. Eight and eight. Not even picking against the spread. That's below average. You know what I went? What? Eight and eight. Can you believe exactly. it? <laughs> God yeah, bless that, America. That's how it's supposed to go. Just two average Joes. It's week one. It's, it's week, week one. one. I know. Man. I know. It, it happens. All right. I only have. I had four teams in my uh, 900 club survivor pool. And now I have two. So right on par, right? 500, you know, eight and eight. You get half right, you get half wrong. And that's what I did in that pool. All right, let's start with the first game. Bills favored by three and a half in Miami, taking off the Dolphins. Um, Bills offense didn't look great last week. They've won five straight against Miami. I think there's still the taste of Buffalo hanging 56 on the Dolphins week 17 last year when it was a, a win and get in scenario for Miami. I, I don't think that leaves them. So I'm picking the Bills here, 27-21. What say you? It's, it's, I, I think the Bills uh, still have too much, right? Too much firepower. I think uh, their quarterback is much better. I don't think Miami has the horse in the back end like Pittsburgh does where you can just stick and run the ball and play defense and kind of find situational football for Ben to be great. I don't think Miami has that offensively. They want to be an explosive offense, but they just don't have the pieces there. Their quarterback's just not where Josh Allen is right now, even though I feel like Josh Allen kind of digressed a little bit in week one. Um, For me, I'm going to go Bills as well. I just think that there's too much for uh, the Miami Dolphins right now. Last time Miami beat the Bills in Miami was Josh Allen's rookie year uh, four years ago. So so it's been a minute. Um, okay, Raiders at Steelers. Steelers favored by five and a half. You take this one first. They, they may be, listen, they may be favored by more with some of the injuries that are going to come out here. Um, I think um, Pittsburgh's defense is too much right now. Strong. I mean, they're they're strong and they and it's not it's TJ Watt showed up late in the game but Cam Hayward played lights out um, and they kept that they kept this team in it they're gonna win the game by running running the football and playing strong defense letting Big Ben kind of you know pick and choose where he's gonna be great uh, but I think I just think Pittsburgh is too much offensively right now for a banged up uh, Raiders defense. And then defensively, this is going to smother the Raiders offense because they're missing some offensive linemen. And we saw the way that line struggled early in that game. 
Yeah, I think the Raiders are just going to be emotionally drained, you know, coming off a short week after the, uh, just a tremendous Monday night football win, first home game in front of a crowd. And you got Bruce Buffer, you know, there like, it's time. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, so I'm going Pittsburgh. I don't think they're going to blow them out. I actually think the Steelers are going to cover, or, or the Raiders are going to cover, rather. Uh, so I go Pittsburgh 24 20. Cowboys at Chargers. I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, Chargers favored by three. They, of course, get that road win in Washington um, that knocked Fitz Magic out for a while with that hip injury. Now it's their first regular season game at SoFi with fans. And the matchup everybody's talking about is going to be uh, Herbert and, and Dak. Um, I, listen, I think the Chargers are a good football team. I think they were a better team than their record indicated last year. I think having Derwin James on the back end, we already saw what a difference that makes. And it's, and it's year two for Herbert. I've, I've come all the way around from thinking, hey, there might be a second-year regression there to thinking he's going to be even better than he was as a rookie. And um, I, I'm going Chargers 33-30 over the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, listen, this is the thing. I, I can't see Dallas going down 0-2. Um, I think Dak Prescott had played lights out. I think their defense showed up really strong. Um, I think Amari Cooper is the number one. Their number one guy was C.D. Lamb, right? Um, and I was this game I was kind of teetering because I love the Chargers defense and I love the way they're playing. I love their head coach. Um, but to me, it's just like this is a different – this ain't the Washington football team you're playing. Right, these dudes got weapons. They can block. They can get after guys. I think Zach Martin should be back this week. Uh, Zeke should probably have a better rushing day this week. Uh, to me, it's just going to be too much offense for the Cowboys on this. So I'm going to take the Cowboys uh, over the Chargers at home. All right, Cowboys over the Chargers at home. Interesting. Okay, so we differ there. Uh, Titans at Seattle uh, minus five and a half for the Seahawks. You go first. Russell Wilson look, looks awesome in this new offense. I mean, they're, they're, you know, he's throwing the ball around the yard. He has some easy layups in it. They kind of put it on his shoulders every now and then. Uh, they're going to try to get this running game going. And I thought the Titans defense was going to be newly improved, but it wasn't. It just didn't look good to me. And so um, I think it's going to be – it's always hard to travel up to Seattle. Uh, Russ plays lights out there. And, again, I just think this new offense, this – Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur offense that the Seahawks have adopted with Shane Waldron is just going to continue to get better and better and better. And Tyler Lockett shows out for the big day. Um, that's going to be tough to cover for any defense. So I think that the Seattle Seahawks jump out to a big lead and then they just hold them off. I think I, I, think I said that the Titans were favored. Obviously, they are not. Seattle favored by five and a half at home. I don't think the Titans who we saw last week are the Titans that um, – we're going to see by week six or week seven. Um, I do feel like they're still working through some things. They haven't found their identity yet, which we talked about earlier is obviously Derrick Henry and setting up the play action pass. Seattle's defensive front looked pretty good. Um, I, I think they, they might give Tennessee's O-line some problems here. Russell gives everyone problems as much as it pains me. Um, I, I think the Titans are going to start the season 0-2 and, and then get things figured out. But I think Seattle's going to win this one uh, 24-21, so the Titans do cover there. All right, finally, Kansas City favored by three and a half in Baltimore. We talked about the injuries. They've taken a toll on the Ravens. It's a short week. My feeling is this. Lamar's going to keep it close because you're never out of a game with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. 
But Mahomes is blitz-proof, dude. Like, he's just blitz-proof. Why are you shaking your head while I'm talking? It's not about to be close, Dan. This is about to get ugly. Oh, you you think you think Casey's just gonna railroad him? Well, I, I don't. I just I don't. Who's gonna cover all those guys? Right. That's a great point. Um, on top of that, you got to remember Orlando Brown is going back to Baltimore. Like, it's just sometimes. I think Baltimore is still a really good team, but. They've dropped a notch because of the injuries, right? You drop a notch because of Marcus Peters and his ability to turn the ball over. You drop a notch because you lost your top two, three runners. You lost your top three runners when you're a run-first offense. You lost, you drop the notch when your first-round pick goes out because of a growing injury, right? You you don't have the the National Football League, and I'm gonna be, and I've told these people this all the time. Coaching will lose you games. Rarely does it win you games. The talent on the field is what wins you games. And so when you saw the way the Baltimore Ravens looked without all those guys, they struggled for at times. Kansas City, I mean, they they struggled. They stumbled maybe the first quarter. And then when they got rolling, they scored, what, 30 straight again. That's just what they do. Like, each, they're going to give you a double-digit lead, and then they're going to score 30 straight. Yeah. And that's what they do. And so to me, if Baltimore struggles the way they did against the, the Vegas Raiders – Struggling against the Chiefs ain't a good thing to do. You got to start fast and play well. All right, so you got Kansas City big. I'm man, I might have to adjust my score. I had thirty-five, thirty-three. I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, oh no, I might go forty-five, thirty-three. All right, I'm going thirty-three. 40. Yeah, I think I Where think do you get thirty-three points from uh, Lamar. Well, it's just gonna be Lamar. I mean, he's gonna find Mark Andrews for a couple of touchdowns. I think they're gonna score. I think they're gonna score. I just think okay. it's gonna be a shootout. Um, Dude, this was fun. Uh, we we are at the end of our Thank first you, Blue Wire. helipod with MJD and the Blue Wire Studios here at the Win in Vegas. This is going to be a regular deal, hopefully for us, uh, for football season. Um, enjoy your wellness day, man. I'm really happy for you. Thank I, you. I, and, and, I, and I actually am being sincere. I know you've been working like crazy. Um, and you've been running around, so you deserve a wellness day on Wednesday. But you're, you're part of my wellness day. You get my mind right. Oh, thanks, you buddy. You get my mind right. See, oh, look at that. Will you? Will you? you would have never thought. Will you come down and, and hang out? We. It's been a while since we've had a beer. It's been a few weeks. Dude, if we listen, if if I can find a way to sneak to Vegas to do this late in the year, for sure, we're gonna do one live in studio together. Yeah, I like that thought. Um, all right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. And uh, eight and eight. I, I want to see better than eight and eight for both I'll of send, us. I'm going to send you my picks after this. I'll send you my picks after this. Eight and eight. All right. It's a great it. start. All right. See you, man. All right. See you later, man.